Hey everyone, uh, it's the Fight Sites MMA Podcast, episode 43. Uh, we're here in a bit of a packed week for just, you know, promotional activity. So we're actually recording this very close to, if not during, the one event uh, featuring Eddie Alvarez and Demetrius Johnson right after, well not right after, but uh, relatively close to Bellator 255, uh, right before the UFC card with the uh, Venom Gear debut. And... Um, what else? There's an ACA card. So there's a lot going on. And I'm here joined, as always, with uh, my co-host, Ed Gallo. Uh, how are you doing, Ed? Hello. Um, I'm, doing, I'm doing well, I would say. I'm a little bummed because I recorded wrestling for MMA, and then <laughs> here's what happened. So this isn't <laughs> a good practice, but typically when I record in Adobe Audition... I, you know, I start a project, I record an audio file in the project, I immediately export the audio to a file, and then I close the project without saving it. Because what do I need the project for? I already did the podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, I um, do that on uh, Audacity. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, that's, you know, maybe not great. And if I did more post-production, I think that I probably wouldn't be my process. But that's how I do it, and I turned the, the audio up on the, the audio file after I was done, before I exported it, and uh, I, I like, went to another tab or, like, did something else for a minute and came back to it and saw it finishing doing something, and my brain was like, yeah, that was me exporting it as the <laughs> file, but it really it was just me turning the sound up, and then I closed it and didn't oh. save it, and I didn't have the file, and there was no way to get it back, so... Man. I am just a giant moron with a goldfish memory, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, I've done it before with this very podcast, in fact. But it was rough. It really do be like that. I went off. Went off of that Olympic trials. I talked about everything. So then I, uh, I made up for it by writing an article about it right after so I could get a lot of my thoughts down. But, you know, you just can't do, do the same kind of uh, lengthy talking about stuff in an article as you can in a podcast. I had some really good really good rants and uh, sa- yeah, I'll save them for another day. In an article. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and writing's a pain. It was like 3,000 words and you know, just yeah. got sick of making sentences that make sense and they probably stopped <laughs> making sense but that's the way it goes. So yeah, uh, a complicated answer to I'm doing fine. I just had a little <laughs> bit of a one down down note in the day but otherwise I'm doing good and there's a, there's a lot of fighting to talk about which I, I like even if it's not all like the best but there's a lot to go over and uh we have a cool patreon question that we're gonna answer it's we're gonna attempt to answer it <laughs> i mean one later. of us has answered it but he's not on the line so. yeah dan albert uh was gonna be here on this podcast with us but something came up and he's gonna answer this question uh but instead he wrote us his answer which was very nice of him I was half joking, and he just did it and like, gave me a really in-depth answer. Like, oh, okay, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to refuse it. I'll take it. Uh, so we're going to answer that question. It's from Evan Lee. He asks good questions. He's, he's a good question asker. Uh, but, yeah, we're also going to talk about MMA. So which which MMA do you want to talk about first? Uh, well, the thing that's behind us that's probably the most uh, important is Bellator 255 main event. Uh, it wasn't the most developed main event, but Patricio Pitbull won his rematch against Emmanuel Sanchez. Uh, Knocked him down and choked him with a guillotine, I believe. So, cool fight. Uh, Patricio Pitbull, um, relatively, I mean, he's getting less underrated. He's getting more uh, attention from people. But definitely an elite featherweight and uh, interesting to look at for a lot of reasons. Yeah, he's really good. Um, I've, I've thought he was, re- I, I always respected Bellator's featherweights. Yeah. Uh, and, and their lightweights, honestly, as well. I've always enjoyed those divisions. Like, the whole triangle or rectangle or whatever it is with him uh pat curran daniel strauss and is there someone else involved in that they always fight each other vital those guys always fighting each other i thought those guys were all good uh sanchez in that mix as well now um but i, I always thought those guys were, were elite talent um you know despite the ups and downs for some of them but yeah pitbull is uh 33 now which you know it doesn't really mean anything unless you look at you know that he was, he's been a pro since 2004 so, yeah, it's like all the time. time. <laughs> but he he really isn't aging noticeably, and his game is very smart. And when you're a Brazilian counterpuncher, as Sri Ram knows well, uh, that can go for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rafael Sansa started fighting in like the 80s, so <laughs> that's something. 
But, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's generally tough to be elite at a good division for that long, as pretty much every Brazilian counterpuncher has even found out. But uh, Pitbull is still a, a frightening puncher. He's really good at finding the finish, as we saw in the Sanchez fight. And that fight didn't really show a ton aside from that. But he's going to move on to the Grand Prix. And who's he fighting next? AJ McKee. Uh, oh, yeah, that was the, that's the uh, finals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to yeah. be fun. I mean, I don't really rate McKee that highly, but he is a, a pretty great athlete. Uh, he's really big and uh, does some athletic stuff. So. I know a lot about AJ McKee, but I'll save it for, for another day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that fight's probably going to be relatively soon, so worth talking mm-hmm. about. We'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah, I, I rate Emmanuel Sanchez. I thought he did a really good job in their first fight. Yeah, the first uh, fight was way more competitive. Yeah, the Pitbull just had a really good trigger on the counter here and, you know, messed him up as soon as he threw a committed exchange and uh, a risky, risky pulling guard on the guillotine after, after that little flurry, after the knockdown. But he was really confident in it and he put him to sleep really quickly. So he's kind of amazing. Uh, yeah. I would like to see him fight other people that aren't in Bellator <laughs> just because I think he's really good and it's worthwhile and time is running out so I don't know what his contract looks like I think he's pretty happy with his position in Bellator so it might not happen but I mean he has uh, been asking for cross-promotional stuff but by definition that kind of means yeah, that he's gonna stick around the UFC is not gonna agree to it he's gonna have to yeah. leave and be a UFC fighter they're not gonna let, let a Bellator guy get a win off of them and yeah. still be a Bellator guy it's just no it doesn't make any sense yeah, I mean, that's the annoying thing about Bellator is that they've had their fair share of good fighters, but it's also always felt like they were wasted in Bellator. It's like, um, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like how we feel about, like, really good fighters at, like, middleweight, where we're like, oh, Whitaker and Adesanya are super great, but also, who are they going to fight except each other? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, this was a good fight. The yeah. McKee fight will be good. Uh, there's probably, like, a couple other matchups that make sense in Bellator that wouldn't be bad, but... I don't want to get too deep into it. Uh, some other stuff happened on this card that I think is worth mentioning that it happened. Uh, I, I'm I'm really uh, happy about Jason Jackson's success. I watched him on the Ultimate Fighter season. It was uh, Black Zillions versus ATT, and I thought he, he looked pretty good there. Um, it's always weird to me like when the Ultimate Fighter is like a really different fighting environment. So you'll watch the show, and sometimes people will, will look pretty good it's also a small cage and they'll, they'll just look pretty good and then they'll fight in the UFC and it just won't be the same and I, I think I'm at the level of analysis now like I think I, I'm a smart enough fight fan that I can tell uh if a fighter looks good in a fight or not like I don't think it's just <laughs> tough goggles because they're fighting someone that might, maybe isn't so good yeah um, I think I can actually tell and, and there's a difference and he's someone like a lot of people in that season I thought showed you know, had, had really good accounts for themselves and um yeah he was one of them and he i thought he'd beat ed ruth i think he got robbed against ed ruth but otherwise i think he's undefeated in bellator he uh he had an injury when he had a contender series shot so he didn't get to do that That's um true. but he's won every fight and he uh he knocked out diego lima who does decently in the ufc um somewhat yeah, he got it robbed against Ed Ruth. Uh, he beat Kunimoto, who's all right. He beat Jordan Meehan, who's old. Uh, he beat Benson Henderson, which I, I don't know why Benson Henderson is fighting actual welterweights <laughs> at this point, but that happened. And then he beat Neiman Gracie, and, and by all accounts, that was a pretty competitive fight, so you actually got to see a lot from him. But uh, he's got a little, good little streak going. He's a Henry Hooft guy. Um, I don't know if he's a wrestler uh, by, by base, but his wrestling has become pretty solid he's just like a good meat and potatoes kickboxer like like uh like hoof posts out and it's just it's nice it's nice when they do well i don't know i I feel weird cheering for that team because i know that their nickname is team evil uh (laughs) by by heavy hands but uh i like their fighters i can't help it (laughs) yeah i mean that's kind of the cool thing about hoof guys is that you can kind of the way that they build fighters you can tell that they're going to have some reasonable success at pretty much any level like if a guy's somewhat good at hoofed uh, hoof style, they're going to be somewhat good at fighting, unlike something like AKA, or if they're somewhat good at AKA style, they're probably just going to get trashed by a lot of guys because they're not good enough at it. Um, yeah. So, you know, he builds these very kind of prosaic but fearless fighters, uh, and it's uh, it's always fun to see, and I'll probably keep an eye out for him because I hadn't seen him before, uh, so I'll watch uh, the Neiman and Gracie fight especially. That was beautiful, Jerome. It's very well put. <laughs> Thank you. You're so smart. Thank um, you. Yeah, other stuff happened on this card as well. Uh, I'm distracted by Shuram's big brain. Uh, Usman Nurmagomedov fought and, and won. I didn't watch it, but 
uh, people have been telling me that he could be the best one of of the Nermagomedovs mm-hmm. of the people named named that. I um I, I definitely see some resemblance to like Umar with like the outside kickiness. Uh, but yeah, I, I just need to see more before I can conclude that. And uh, yeah, I, I just think that it's a it's an attractive concept. <laughs> that there will be members of this family who are better than Khabib, like, and he's not even the best one, but that that rarely works out. Um, and it's like a lot of things had to go right for Khabib to be as successful as he was, and that just doesn't happen twice, really. Yeah, I mean, I think you could point to um, Khabib's dad's uh, training, creating such a consistent, like, mm-hmm. Dagestani culture of fighting is something that's like, oh, maybe the family gets, like, some sort of special sauce or something. But uh, more realistically, it's just... Uh, he's a good coach, but also a good coach has to inter, uh, intercept with a lot of things. And Khabib's a freak athlete. Uh, there's a lot of, th- as you mentioned, like even Khabib could have gone wrong with that injury layoff, but the fact that he didn't is in itself a pretty big uh, stroke of luck. So it's just, it, it's tough to find. Like a family like the Gracies might show up in the Nurmagomedovs, but it's also the Gracies existed in an era where everyone was kind of worse. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's uh it is what it is. It, I I think it'll it could be something, but we just need more time. Uh, and really, the only other things I think are worth noting are just some some good fighters continue continue to win. Uh, Magomed Magomedov uh, submitted C.J. Hamilton, and he just beat the crap out of him in general. And I think Hamilton, I've seen him before on the Contender series. I I want to say he fought Casey Kenny. Um, he did, yeah, he fought Casey Kennedy on Contender Series, and I think he was supposed to be the guy, and then Ooh. Kenny beat him. Um, that's so, rough competition. Man. Yeah, yeah, that's really tough. Uh, so, he's not bad, because uh, he was competitive in that fight, and Magomedov just beat the crap out of him. So I thought his uh, his Bellator debut was not really... Uh, he, he looked good and got people excited about him, but it was boring. That's, like, actually not what he's about. He's actually very well-rounded and offensive, and he looked like it and he's also physically matured a lot which is saying something because he was already pretty strong um so he he's pretty serious competition at this point uh Magomedov and uh yeah I'm interested to see more of him uh a tri-star guy Mandel Nello got a knockout with a superman Superman punch punch, you see that (laughs) yeah I saw the finish I didn't see the whole thing but um so I'm uh, I think it was Zach Makovsky who posted the the highlight Mm -hmm. yeah teammates sure um do you ever uh go to this guy's Instagram page uh, I've heard it's it's rat garbage, right? It's rat garbage. Yeah, it's yeah. what it sounds like. It's it's art. Uh, if you if you depending on your definition, and it's uh, it's rats and, and garbage and combination of, of the two in, in art form. Uh, not not as horrible as it sounds, honestly. <laughs> it's hard for it to be, isn't it? It's a uh, sterile. Um, Khalid uh, Murtazaliev. He he won. I didn't watch it, but he won, and he's pretty good. Uh, Chris Gonzalez, a uh, Greco guy, USA Greco guy, he beat Roger Huerta uh, very badly, and uh, our friend Simon told us that he was super gassed in the third round, still doubled him across the cage off his feet and, and finished him. Admirable. Uh, so that's awesome. <laughs> that's really great. I so I'm looking him. forward to seeing him more, and uh, congratulations to him. It's the second biggest achievement of his life, uh, besides dating Jesse Jess. <laughs> Yeah, that was that card. I don't think there's much else to discuss on there. Yeah, I mean, we kind of stretched it to the limits as it was. But, <laughs> uh, now there's uh, the card that's going on right now, one on TNT1, which is fun. Um, we have, well, the fight that just happened, uh, Roy Groy beat up the short-notice replacement, uh, Senegalese wrestler, and just kind of hulked them all around, which is fun. Um, Demetrius Johnson fighting and Eddie Alvarez fighting, those are the two big signees for a one. Uh, that happened out of the UFC, and um, that's yet to happen as we record, but uh, it's notable for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I hesitate to break anything down too much because it's like it's happening yeah. uh, while we're talking, and I just don't want to have any takes immediately proven wrong. <laughs> but I did do some content on Demetrius Johnson this week. I did a resume review series on him, three fights, uh, actually more than three fights, I did both Benavidez fights and Horiguchi and Suhudo one, uh, so lots of stuff in there. And yeah, it was, it was more earlier, earlier career stuff if you want to call it that. More maybe prime DJ you want to call it. And uh, yeah, he's fighting bantamweights, uh, so maybe I should have done him versus bantamweights. But uh, have you watched Adriano Moraes fight? Uh, I don't believe I have. Okay, so I've watched him maybe twice. 
the most recent time I watched him, I went just to, you know, for a quick look. I watched him uh, submit Danny King out uh, in the first round, and uh, I mean, his top game's really good. He's a really good grappler. But on the feet, he did basically nothing. He didn't, like, do, like, the bad version of doing nothing where he just stood there. Like, he was doing decent stuff, but, like, threw no, no offense, really. Uh, and it took a lot of naked kicks from King Odd before he actually, like, countered one and took him down off of it. But it wasn't even, like, a shot. He just kind of, you know, hit him and he fell to the ground because his leg was caught. So I don't know about his systematization of getting fights to the ground, like, how reliable that is. And he is pretty big, so it might not matter, but I don't know. Uh, like, potentially a scary fight, just because, like, okay, guy that does top control and can take you down like that, that could be trouble if you're a Bantamweight fighting Demetrius Johnson. Like, that could that could yeah. definitely cause him issues, but I just, uh, I don't know. But we're going to have to see. I'm, I'm interested in watching it, though. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, we'd ha- we have seen DJ lose a 50-45 to half-guard shoulder pressure before. Yeah, well, <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't right. Yeah. But. That was incorrect. Uh, I've actually, I have watched the fella that Eddie Alvarez is fighting. Do you remember his fight with Christian Lee? Uh, no, I think I watched it right before this, but I also don't really remember it. He was doing a bunch of cool stuff, like he threw him, and like he was making a, a bunch of interesting transitions on the ground, like looked like a real beast, and then he, uh, <clears throat> I kept doing dumb stuff too, like, I was like going for legs and like not using his arms to defend himself, like committing oh, both arms yeah, to things, and they just... I think Eddie Alvarez is like kind of in a weird place right now because um, he got killed by um, Tim Nasty, and that wasn't mm-hmm. really like it wasn't a long fight, but he also got countered in combination like four times in two minutes. So yeah, he took a lot of damage real quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was the sort of fight where I was like, will Eddie ever want to fight again? Because you know, like it's not a, he doesn't have a bad style per se to age, but also it didn't look particularly viable at that point. Um, and then there was the, uh, what's his name fight, where he swept him from the bottom, Foleyang, Edward Foleyang. Yep. Um, where he took a bunch of damage and then swept him from the bottom and choked him out. So that was, uh, like, Eddie's having, it's like he can't avoid scrappy fights at all, which, you know, at a certain level of competition, it's fine. And, you know, when you're able to outscrap Gaethje off the back foot and, like, jab him up and box him in the pocket and stuff, you're like, okay, everyone has scrappy fights against Gaethje, but then it's the rest of it. Which and yeah. to his credit, there's his ring craft is still there even in the, um, uh, even in a smaller cage and like uh, the the corners, which is nice. But um, he's having trouble, and I think it's tough to trust him. But he's also still doing cool stuff, which is nice. Oh my God! I forgot to publish Danny's article. Oh God! Danny's last article is a ring craft thing about Eddie Alvarez, and I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, we'll wait until Eddie Alvarez's next fight to publish it, and then here it is. I mean, I if forgot. he wins, it could still age well. Well, if he loses, oh my god, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Please win. Please He's gotta win. win. Oh, no. Okay, so that's... Whoops. Uh, we're, we're a very well-run website. No, here's <laughs> here's what happened. Okay, ready? There's an, ex- there's an explanation. I was gonna say excuse. Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> he, uh, Danny, you know, submitted the article, and then he retired, like, not long after. Oh, so. yeah. So I forgot that he had stuff, and then I think he, I don't remember if he brought it up, you know, before or after retirement, it's like, hey, you're going to run that? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll run it, and then, yeah, it just kind of <laughs> slipped my mind, because he's not, not active. <laughs> so, that's what happened. Anyway, to distract from my mistake, Rod Tang is going to fight, that's going to be awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and uh, Chingiz Alizov, who is a really good kickboxer, and there was a big deal when he fought Petrosian, I believe. Uh, and Petrosian won, and I don't know if he's, like, fallen from grace since then or if he's still considered, like, a top guy in the world. No, he's won two fights since then, so um, I'm sure people are looking forward to watching him, and I'm just looking forward to catching up on this card after it's done. Yeah, I mean, you can already see results coming in about that, so I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who's uh, looking at it before. But, um, yeah, I mean, there are some important guys on this card, and it's going to be interesting to see their forms in the post-UFC era for them. Um, Anything else? That's, nope. Hmm. It's the end. <laughs> uh, we have the UFC card and the ACA card this weekend. ACA doesn't have a ton. Uh, it does have uh, Shamil Shakhbalatov versus Oleg Borisov, which is fun. Um, Borisov Ooh. is a really... Okay, well, I was supposed to write an article about Borisov, and then our ACA obsession just kind of fizzled. Um, <laughs> we were supposed to do like a whole bunch of stuff about ACA, and then like 
ACA kind of stopped being that great, really. Like, the card construction stopped being awesome. Uh, there's, like, one fight. And COVID was partially responsible for yeah, that. Yeah, that's also true. I mean, <laughs> there was still the, um, the Abdullahabov-Sarnavsky fight, but that was back in, like, September. So it's tough to find a ton. But uh, this Borisov versus Shapovalov is kind of guaranteed fun. Uh, Borisov is like a real smasher, really tiny and like linickery. Um Maybe the biggest puncher at bantamweight, which is kind of wild to say because that division has a bunch of huge punchers. It's if Lineker was a wrestler. Yeah, he like yeets people onto their heads from the clinch. Uh, he does a lot of body work, which is nice to see from a really short guy who likes to pressure. And he just kills people with singular shots. Uh, Shakbalatov, I'm not as familiar with. Uh, he did beat um, Rasul Mirzaev, who's pretty cool, but also has been losing a little bit more lately. Um, but fun fight. So I think uh, Shakbalatov actually might get knocked out because I did do a little a little tiny study on him because uh, I thought I might write about him when we were going to do the Bantamweights. Uh, I, I, my nickname for him is Bad Gagey. Oh, that's fun. It's pretty similar. <laughs> There's a lot of similarities, just not really the same level of execution and not the same kind of athlete. So uh, he does like to, you know, punch hard off breaks in the clinch and, you know, punch into the clinch and low kick. And ha- ha- there's a lot. There's a lot in common <laughs> with him just not quite as good. And uh, just knowing that Borisov deads people in the pocket a lot, uh, if he's not shot, that should work out pretty well for him. And Borisov's also not just, like, a crazy swingy guy. He actually is a good boxer. Um, yeah. like he works behind his jab really well, and I, I just don't know where he's at age-wise, if he's fading or if his best is behind him or whatnot, but he's he's really good. Um, so I think that could be an issue for someone whose defense is not great. Yeah, I just want them to ship Borisov into the UFC for one fight against Cody Garbrandt. just has oh, to geez. happen. Yes. Um, or against uh, <laughs> Lineker and wherever he is now. He's in one now, right? He's in one, yeah. Yeah. So that, that also has to happen, but if one has to happen, it's Cody Garbrandt, because I just hate him. But... There's that's a fun fight, and I think the thing about Shark Balatov kind of speaks to what we were talking about with Hooft earlier, right? Like, there are some styles that just work regardless of how good you are to an extent, but there are other styles that are just, they, they scale massively downwards the worse you are. Um, yeah. So, there's also, I think, uh, Dudayev is returning. He's fun. Uh, off that loss to um, Jubileu, who also just lost to Bibulatov, but a really spinny guy who does fun wrestling things and has a win over Borisov, I believe. So, fun card for uh, those two fights. The main event is uh, interim middleweight fight now, so not really that interesting because it doesn't have um, Ismailov or Maniv. But, yeah. Uh, on to the UFC card, which is also a, a middleweight fight. On ABC. Oh, God. It's on I mean, the network television. That's a pretty big downgrade. They went from a Holloway Cater which is like an, an all-time great versus a top three guy to Marvin Vittori and Kevin Holland. Listen, man, Kevin Holland is what the people want to see. Yeah, he puts the butts in the seats, not in the arena, but to watch <laughs> from their home. Um. <laughs> I, mean, I think they want to think about him more than they want to watch him. Um, it's, he, he's better in concept. He's way better in concept. Uh, but Marvin Vittori is also kind of better in concept, where if you look at someone who's like a, a great athlete, who's very stocky and southpaw and at Cordero, you kind of expect him to be way better than he is. Um, but he's kind of uh, nondescript, which I mean, I guess you could tell from my lack of description. But uh, beat up Jack Romanson, did some hand trappy things where he drew out the right hand and countered, uh, one twos from Southpaw, and that's kind of all it takes to be Jack Hermanson, apparently. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of volume, good wrestling, which is something that Ed can probably talk about more, uh, but just very stock middleweight. This was supposed to be Marvin Vittori versus Darren Till, which I think would have been a little bit more interesting. I know people aren't so hot on Till anymore, which makes sense, because they probably shouldn't have been as hot on Till as they were, but uh, he's turning into something, I think, and he probably would have uh, exposed a little bit of the weaknesses in Vittori's game, uh, even if he lost. But uh, Holland isn't really that guy. Would you agree? Um, I don't even know what kind of guy Holland is. <laughs> I will tell you that I did talk about the wrestling on my podcast that I recorded today that is gone oh. forever. Uh, so basically the deal with Vittori is that he actually... I turned, uh, learned this a little bit more talking to my man uh, Alfredo today, uh, the, the Italian MMA journalist, the only one. There's, there's only one of them. Um, it's just like there's only one Georgian jur- journalist. It's just Georgie and in, in, in Alfredo. Um, <laughs> but 
Yeah, he uh, he told me that Vittori's game, you know, coming up on the scene, he, he was a top player, he's a grappler. Um, so that actually makes a lot of sense. And he trains at King's MMA and has come under the tutelage of Abinil Dariush recently, uh, taking him under his wing, which is always a good idea if you're a fighter. So Kelvin Gaslam's also, you know, saying that Benil Dariush is his main guy now, which I think that bodes well uh, for both of them. Yeah, if yeah. Benil Dariush can get that kind of success out of himself, imagine what he can get out of people who are talented. <laughs> I mean, they don't have Benil Dariush's invincible heart, so there's that. They could. It can be taught. Oh, <laughs> but that's true. He did he trains, at, he trains at Kings, and what I notice with a lot of guys at Kings is they just get good at wrestling, period. It's not really any one specific thing. They just learn how to flat wrestle. Uh, and the way that happens is they train with wrestling clubs in the area. Southern California has a good club scene. Uh, and there isn't really, like, a good college wrestling scene in California, like, above the community college level, so it's, like, a couple of Division One schools, but not in Southern California, so a lot of the time, like, the good wrestling instruction is just uh, private clubs. I don't know if they're still happening, but uh, Church Boys was the one for a while, uh, but, yeah, MMA fighters would go, like, work out with these coaches and, like, good high school wrestlers, and the level of wrestling in MMA is so that working out, like, a good high school wrestler makes you one of the better wrestlers in the UFC and that's just not even a knock on MMA it's just like high school wrestlers are really good nowadays so <laughs> that's just kind of how it is um so yeah he got pretty good uh, I think the Hermanson fight was a nice display of his defense um just really sound fundamental defense against the cage and then an open space they got in a little scramble he hit a switch and just looked uh, comfortable scrambling on the mat so I think he's, he's just flat a good wrestler uh a way more comfortable striker than Derek Brunson uh yeah so I think uh, depending on what his durability is like, I'm pretty sure he's got a rock head and should be fine. I think this is going to be a nice little showcase for him unless uh, Kevin Holland tricks him into being stupider. Uh, but I think the thing with this game is it's so meat and potatoes. Like, you can't you can't confuse him into making it worse. Like, he only knows how to do a couple things, and he's just going to keep doing them, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, the Hermanson fight got pretty ugly for him later. Like, not super ugly, but kind of ugly. And... Um... He just kind of kept chugging along doing his thing. Like, that fight had about three distinct exchanges that happened on loop over and over. Yeah. So, it was... I mean, the fact that two of them were Vittori winning handily, it helped him a lot. But that one of them was him losing the same way over and over with those uppercuts through the guard was bad. So, um, the fact that he didn't lose his composure there is good. The fact that it was in that position at all, uh, it's something that he needs uh, Benil Darius to help him out with. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really see a consistent route for Kevin Holland against most fighters, and uh, the fact that this is someone very durable who's likely to take him down doesn't help that whatsoever. Uh, Vittori's also probably less likely to concede space the way that Derek Brunson did on the feet. Uh, he's likely to just get angry and push forward. Uh, that's another thing about Vittori, is that pretty much his entire persona is angry Italian men. Um, that's my persona. You're not angry. You're, you're so pleasant. doesn't make sense. On the inside, you don't know. <laughs> Vittori took all your anger. He's uh, my uh, my anger interpreter. <laughs> but, yeah, um, that's, like, the main event. I'm not sure it's super compelling. I don't think it needs five rounds, as opposed to the, uh, I think it's the co-main event uh, between the featherweights, which could actually use five rounds. Um, so, I guess it's time to move on to that. Arnold Allen, uh, TriStar. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're going to just not, not make a prediction? you got to oh. tell me who you want to win and who's going to win. Uh, Vittori's going to win. Um, who I want to win, I kind of want the fight to be cancelled because I don't care about it. Oh, no. Nah, I'm, 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 I'm fine with either winning, honestly. Like, I don't think Holland deserves to win fights. As we mentioned the last time we talked about Kevin Holland, which was unnervingly recent. Um, but, you know, I don't really care all that much about Vittori either, so, like, something funny happening to him wouldn't kill me. Uh, as opposed to Brunson, who's, like, really putting effort into improving all that, and you can really see it in his game. Vittori's just kind of always been a void to me, and, um... If he loses a fight that he should win this clearly, it's just, you know, uh, it's just funny. But it's going to be a Vittori win. Yeah, I mean, he seems like a guy who's made a lot of improvements and, you know, takes MMA pretty seriously. He takes everything very seriously, <laughs> maybe that's why. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that my rant last time was that I don't like that Kevin Holland is as popular as he is and, you know, probably making money from these spots by just being goofy and, like, not being good. Um, but yeah, yeah. You know, I guess it's debatable. What what is good? Um, <laughs> Not Kevin it's, Holland. It's hard to say, but I I mean the Derek Bronson fight was really embarrassing, 
that 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 made me feel sad um, that he just had such a poor effort. Um, it wasn't even like he like did a bad job in any of the specific situations. Just his overall approach to the fight. It just didn't seem like he was that interested in winning it, even when he had opportunities to try to win it. Like he didn't have to do anything complicated. Just like stand stand up when you have a good good top position to disengage from. Like your entire way to win the fight is on the feet. Why did you take him down? Um, things things like that, and just like not really like why are you putting a body triangle on if you need to get up to win? Yeah. Um, or like submit him off your back. What do I care? Try try something. <laughs> um, so it was, it was really weird and and really turned me off to him because uh, I thought like maybe he was a guy that was lacking in a lot of areas, but like you know he had he had the spirit. You know, he was gonna just try to pull off crazy stuff no matter what and try to beat people. But uh, maybe the trying crazy stuff is actually out of a place of insecurity because like it's like i'm not actually trying my best approach to win this fight i'm just throwing it out there and you know it's it's for entertainment and like i don't care about losses and like but i think he does i think he does care um this is my deep psychological analysis of uh, kevin holland but i i i think we saw something there in that fight i think uh there's there's something to that am i crazy uh, i don't think so i mean i think the activity kind of makes you think, or like a collective you, that uh, he cares about progression because that's kind of the best way to progress in a sport where they don't actually care about the quality of your wins that much is you just fight a lot and get Dana on your side. And he had Dana on his side from the beginning with the Tiago Santos fight, but like that trash talk seemed a lot more fun in a way where with Brunson it was just he didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Like, Tiago Santos, as a debut, is really rough, right? And, like, you're not really expected to win that. So I can get someone just going in and being like, hey, I'm in with Tiago Santos, let's just uh, fuck around and find out. And he did find out. But um, here against Brunson, he was like, he came in as a favorite, which was pretty confusing to me. But it, he just didn't really have any sort of game. Uh, and you could see in the commentary just my increasing despair at the fight continuing to go on. And it's worse because Kevin Holland has some real athletic potential. He's a decent puncher. He's super durable, as we've seen in his fights against, like, um, genuine yeah, right. punchers. <laughs> Tiago Santos and Derek Brunson, where he got through while jawing the whole time. Uh, he's reasonably conditioned. He was still there in round five after getting um, wrestled for four rounds against Derek Brunson. It's just none of that's really turned into anything. And it's in a way that I don't think... I don't know if it's, like, his camp or just the way that he is where he can't really learn things or something, but it's, it, it, he doesn't, as I said before, he doesn't really deserve to win the fights that he's getting. And this is another one, where if he beats Vittori, he's probably going to be ranked above Brunson, and that's yeah. just something really silly that shouldn't be happening. Something's going to, something weird's going to happen, like, but he's haunting me, and, like, I don't, I'm not opposed to him, you know, being a fighter that, wins fights and does things but stop stop doing this to me you know putting him in main <laughs> yeah. events and forcing him on me uh, i don't want it i don't want it also another five rounder for him like he it doesn't seem to benefit him especially <laughs> but i don't know it's just it's whatever it i, I know it's a replacement fight he it was supposed to be darren till in there and that would have been terrible too so yeah. i guess at least this way like there's the spectacle of it like what's gonna happen here at least other um, people will be entertained yeah, there is a, there is actually interesting and good fight as the co-main event, and uh, you you and Danny recorded an entire podcast episode about Arnold Allen, did you not? Partly, I think it was like we called it assorted topics, but a lot of it was about Arlen. A lot of it was about Arnold Allen. Um, so he's a weird fighter. You like him? I do <laughs> not hate him. Um, <laughs> there are things the way that I've put it to the Discord people is that. He does things that make me think if he was actually really good, he would be interesting to watch. And he's not good enough at the things that he does to be that, if that makes sense. Uh, I think Sadiq Yusuf is in a similar place where I think there are enough liabilities in his game where you're like, hey, this guy does interesting stuff in moments, but as a whole, he's not the best guy out there, if that makes sense. Uh, both of them are probably underranked just because the entire division is underranked compared to the top five. But um, this is probably a fight for, like, who should be fighting a, not a Jeremy Stevens, like a Calvin Cater or a Josh Emmett or something like that. Who's going to become the ally Aquinta of the division? Is it Stevens? I guess he kind of already is. Yeah, Stevens is. He's The yeah, he Aquinta of Magni role, where it's like, it's not, they're not a bad fighter, but they're probably overranked, and it's the, the big ticket for anyone that wants to <laughs> jump in there. 
Um, yeah, it's the Tyron Woodley spot, but without the precipitous decline. Well, kind yeah. of for Stevens, but not as badly. I think Danny is also really high in Sadiq Yusuf, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, I, mean, I think it makes sense just because Yusuf isn't... I think he's really early in his career. Uh, he has a couple solid wins over Andre Feely, and even Mike Davis was a good win. Uh, that was, I think it was like the best fight in Contender Series history. Yeah. Um, and uh, Gabriel Benitez is another solid win, really hard southpaw kicker. And he's looked decent in them. It's just that there's still some questions about what he does if he doesn't just kill someone in the first round. Uh, which he's in a good spot to do. He's a solid jabber. He's got a good uh, counter-punching game, uh, lots of cross-counters and left hooks. But the dedicated southpaws that he's faced have had not a ton of trouble landing on him. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw in the Feely third round, uh, Feely fought the first two rounds orthodox. The second round didn't really matter because he just got taken down and laid on for the entire one. But uh, the third round he went southpaw, started playing the rear kick off the rear straight. Uh, started doing that little short and straight thing where he like activate his hips and then just flick the straight out and just hit Yusuf pretty much every time um, and kick the body. And that's something that seemed to trouble Yusuf, which kind of makes sense with his game because the jab was mostly how he like closed distance and started exchanges. And um, that is kind of taken away with the um, with the southpaw. For, Al- for Arnold Allen, he's a dedicated southpaw jabber. Um, against Gilbert Melendez, he was a little bit more rear kicky than I thought he was. Uh, most of his kicking game is just hand trapping into that lead leg, uh, leg kick, which seems redundant, but uh, he hand traps into it and just whips it around. Um, lots of combination work, not great mechanically, weird posture and all, but uh, good ideas sometimes. Um, defense just absolutely awful, but uh, lots of like little frames on the insides, like end exchanges, even if he's getting hit during them. Uh, draws guards up and hits the body decently. It, he's a very volumey fighter. And he runs the risks of being a volume fighter without a ton of defense, but he seems durable enough. Uh, so, you know, it could work. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I think this Are is an okay? interesting fight. Somewhat. Um, okay, good. Enough to finish the podcast and then die of... Thank God. Yeah. You can yeah. die after you finish the podcast. Yeah, that works for me, too. Um, I think this is an interesting fight. Uh, Sadiq Yusuf is probably likely to kill him in a round. He might just come out and bomb him. Uh, Yusuf isn't, like, we've kind of underplayed him, or I have, rather. Uh, he's not bad against southpaws necessarily, especially early. It's just that against Feely, it kind of seemed to make him uncomfortable and get him to concede space, and that could have just been the round three thing, too. Uh, dude's just insanely jacked and throws a lot into his counters, so I'd understand that he's uh, a little bit gassy later into a fight, which is why five rounds would have been interesting here. But in the first round, he did manage to counter Gabriel Benitez's left straight, where he like just threw it naked, so he's got a good read on that kind of thing. And Arnold Allen, as I mentioned, is defensively nothing. So there's that. But also, as the fight goes on, I think Allen's in a decent place to kind of pour it on, uh, playing the left kick off the left straight, as I mentioned, the body work. Uh, he's pretty much just... Uh, he doesn't have any real sense of self-preservation after getting hit. Um, so, you know, he's pretty reliable to just put volume on, and if that's something they can take Yusuf apart, then it might here. Um, so I'll probably favor Yusuf just on um, that early threat and maybe generally being better, but I think Allen might be a tricky matchup for him. I think what's important to note is that Shaman Marais would definitely beat Yusuf in a rematch, and he would also uh, beat Arnold Allen if they fought. I mean, he would beat Yusuf for the first two rounds at least. He would pick up where he left off in round three and, and say, this time, no up elbow, I don't need it, I'm doing fine, it, it's, it's, it's unnecessary, and he'd just, you know, continue to, to pick him apart with combinations and, and kick him. And with Arnold Allen, he would just knock him out immediately because he's Pretty above much. him. <laughs> I mean, but there's also the fact that if he gives up on the up, up elbow, he'll just throw like a somersault kick or something and get top-gamed. I have never seen him throw a somersault <laughs> kick. He would throw, like... A, a back fist, you know, he would, like, miss a right hook and then, like, really wind up and try to, like, you know, like, the, the Faber, uh, Mike Brown oh, elbow yeah. that got him knocked. It was something, something like that. I oh, guess that's the same yeah. thing he did against Shama, but with, like, a back fist or not. That, that's more his brand of meme strike. He doesn't really do, like, any flips or things like that. He'll just trip or something, <laughs> throwing, like, a head kick. Listen, man, he's gonna be in the PFL tournament, and it's gonna be two round oh, fights true. at first, so he's not gonna have time to be stupid. Yeah, that's kind of why I won Michael Johnson in one-round fights. Yeah. 
He's going to do it. Uh, speaking of stupid, uh, Mike Perry is heading off the main event. Is that where he is heading off? Is that right? He's, uh, he's the beginning. Opening the main card, I think. He's which... opening it. Yeah, he's opening the main card uh, against Danielle Rodriguez, who is a pretty cool boxer. Uh, maybe a little bit underwhelming athletically, but he's, he's like a good athlete. He's well-conditioned. He's strong, yeah. but just, you know, his mechanics don't really scream. Guy who moves well, but he, he puts it together nicely. He's very uh, very aggressive. has good fundamentals as a boxer for the most part. And uh, Mike Perry is a lot of things. <laughs> so Mike Perry's last fight was uh, the Tim, Tim Means fight, and he looked bad there, right? Awful. Did he um, look as bad as he looked in the Mickey Gall fight? It's tough to say because Tim Means is competent, but Means just kind of picked him apart with, like, jabs and straights without much of a reaction, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that was pretty much the entire fight. Uh, Mike Perry's thing has always been just, like, well, against Vicente Luque, which was his by far best performance, it was just a really brawly pocket game where he like, rip apart guards and hit the body sometimes, but that's not anything he does anymore. Uh, he doesn't really have a way to get into the clinch where he's actually pretty solid, but um, Rodriguez probably just boxes him up. We saw Rodriguez against Tim Means, and uh, I think he struggled in that fight, if I remember correctly. Like, Means had a little bit of success, but then uh, Rodriguez just dropped him at, like, the very end of the first round and killed mm-hmm. him in the second. So, I don't know. I think Rodriguez is probably the better guy. I thought he beat Dalby. Um, that was a, a weird low-volume fight, but I thought uh, Rodriguez had it relatively clearly. So this isn't a fight that he's necessarily should be taking, but uh, it's it might just be a tune-up. I don't really rate Mike Perry as much these days. Yes. Yes, yes. I concur. Um, yeah, Mike Perry's last good performance was definitely Luque, and there was a lot of cool stuff about that that I just don't think is going to happen here. And yeah. Like I, I said it before... Uh, who did I say it about? Woodley? That it's too late. Yeah. It's too late to get good now. It's You're, you're done. Um, so <laughs> uh, I think he's on the downswing, and even if he tries hard now, I think he wasted his athletic prime and uh, screwed around, and now he's, now he's not going to be good. And his time with real coaches. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He wasn't, he wasn't taking it seriously enough when he had the chance, and now, now it's probably slipping away. So I'm picking Rodriguez, I think. We Kevin do Holland's for a lot ghost of, of Christmas fights. future. Yeah. yeah, he shouldn't move us a middleweight. Just make that fight. Uh, I will have no losers there. Um, no, it'll be totally cool. The prelims have a few interesting fighters on them, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would. Um, Maybe not the fights, but the fighters. I mean, I've heard people rate Joe Selecki decently. I think he choked out um, Austin Hubbard, who looked like a decent anti-grappler mm-hmm. in some of his earlier fights, and Selecki just uh, grappled him, which is reasonably... Uh, impressive, but Jim Miller's also well. Okay, after the Vince Pichel fight, Jim Miller doesn't look as tough to just physically overwhelm because that's what Pichel did. But uh, he's still a reasonably crafty grappler. He's a sharp southpaw uh, puncher, and I mean, age has not been as debilitating to him as one might expect. So I mean, I think a lot of us just expected him to be aging out when he was like literally dying of Lyme disease. So now that he's back, he's kind of overperforming just by existing. But he's a lovable veteran, and I'd like to see him keep doing well. Yep. Um, so we've got Miller. we got uh, Gamrot. Second fight in the UFC. Yeah, the first one was great, too. Um, yeah, that was an awesome fight against uh, Guram Katate-Ladze. And this opponent, Scott Holtzman, I've seen him against a bunch of people. Uh, he's got KO'd by Benny. Uh, he did beat Jim Miller before that. He's also 37, but... But, no, never mind. I was going to say, he's only been a pro since, but then it was 2012. I'm like, okay, that's long enough for him to be legitimately, genuinely old. I mean, that seems more recent than it is, doesn't it? Um, Yeah, for real. But, yeah, Holtzman... I was in high school still. uh, Yeah, I think I was in, like, middle school. Uh, Holtzman is, uh, from what I've seen, he's like a weird orthodox version of an open stance counterpuncher, where against Alan Patrick and uh, Jim Miller... Uh, he did a lot of like dropping back when they were rushing him and uh, angling out the open side and cracking them, which I'm not sure how it works against an orthodox fighter. Uh, he did get wrestled a lot by Nick Lentz, and uh, Dariush just kind of beat his ass completely, just completely clowned him. Um, but he did have to contend with that open stance counter himself. He just had some nice proactive defensive uh, moments uh, in his own weird, noodly Benny way, which is fun to watch. 
Um, but he's not a ton. I think Gamrot wins this relatively comfortably just based on watching the Garam fight, which was really fun. It was a fairly high-level fight for unranked lightweights. Both of them looked top 15-ish, and Gamrot might have won. So, you know, uh, Gamrot pretty much boxed him up through the end of round two and the all of round three. So it's a, it's an interesting fight that Gamrot should probably take. Yep, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, I think he can do pretty well in the UFC. Uh, apparently these women, not these women, apparently Erin Blanchfield is good. Like she's some level of credential grappler. I think she won an EBI tournament, and uh, nice. I think people have seen something they like on the feed as well. I haven't watched her yet, so I will I will make my judgment uh, soon and just keep an eye on that one. Uh, John McDessie is going to fight. He, he's, uh, he's definitely not Lost quite a little bit. with it anymore, but... He's, uh, I mean, his last loss is Trinaldo, which is not really that bad at all. And I watched that fight, and it was just kind of, Trinaldo didn't really give him a lot to work with. That he, you know, he really likes to, you know, do simultaneous counters and rely on the other person's leads for his boxing. And it was hard to kick him, and maybe he's a little small, uh, so yeah. it didn't really go that well. But he was on a three-fight win streak before that, so I guess uh, maybe I'm speaking too soon. I mean, I think Trinaldo was also always a tough opponent just because of McDessie's. Um real reliance on his lead hand, which you mentioned in your article about his fight against Ross Pearson, which is still his best performance. I mean, still, it's like three fights ago. But uh, it was a really fun performance where he just uh, ripped his face off pretty much. And Trinaldo's tough to do that against because he's a relatively hand-fighty southpaw who's way bigger and has just kicked him from the outside. Um, McDessie didn't have a real answer for that, and I think we kind of expected that going in, uh, where it'd be like uh, an interesting fight that didn't necessarily pan out to be exciting, and that's what it was. Um... Although, I mean, there's also Trinaldo could have just wrestled him, maybe. So the fact that he didn't do that made it more boring than it was. Um, but I think the real source of concern probably comes from that uh, Jesus Pinedo fight where McDessie kicked him in the leg a bunch and then got mad that Pinedo didn't do anything but get kicked in the leg. So you think he needs anger management? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, That's he did have problem. another moment against Abel Trujillo the same way, right? I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, I, I, choose, I choose to ignore anything negative. Yeah, I mean, overall, it's pretty concerning that he's fought, like, once a year for the past five years. So, uh, this isn't, like, a spot where I'd expect McDessie to look really great. I don't know anything about his opponent, uh, Ignacio Bahamondes. I've heard things about him, that he's solid. I think he's off Contender Series. So, I mean, I'll give him a shot. But McDessie's also generally tough to look good against, cause, just because of his uh, risk aversion, uh, as we saw in the Pinedo fight. And just guys who don't really belong in there with him, kind of just get shut out. So if McDessie's still there, this might be that kind of fight. Yeah, well, hopefully it's a good performance. Yeah. Uh, there's heavyweights, and uh, <laughs> Hunter Azure is going to fight Jack Shore. I think Jack Shore is a decently hyped prospect. I don't think I've ever watched him, uh, but Azure is uh, pretty solid, I think. Yeah, I've heard Jack Shore is like a pressury grapply type, which is okay. generally well, reliable. He is uh, like Welsh or something, and Hunter Azure was a college wrestler, so if he can pressure grapple him, that would bode well for his career, I would say. Yeah, I mean, that definitely means something. Azure looked also pretty impressive against Brian Callagher, if I remember correctly, and then he got murdered by that yeah. left hook. Um, might be some conditioning issues, I think that's what I remember from that fight, but, um, you know, Callagher's dangerous in every phase, which a Wasn't lot of guys can't Wasn't it like say. he... Uh, you know, just put on a crazy pace and, like, fought a really, really tough fight and got kind of tired from that. Not like it was normal and he gassed. Yeah, I don't remember a ton about that fight. I just remember the gassing part, so you're probably right. But I'm, um, gu I'm guessing. <laughs> I mean, he looks like the kind to do that, doesn't he? I'm not wow. sure. I'm, I'm not going to do... I'm not uh, Zane Simon. I'm not going to do tape study for every single prelim. That's uh, true. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I think Kelleher Asher was a fight worth watching again. I just haven't, so... Um, yeah, that's about all I have to say. I think the winner of this is in an interesting spot. Bantamweight's mm -hmm. a, it's a division full of fun fighters. So, One last thing I want to say about this card is that Impa Kasanganai is in the first fight, and uh, I watched him on the Contender Series, and I watched a little bit of that uh, Alonzo Menafield fight, and I know he's the guy that, that got meme-kicked. That's, that's what people are going to know him as forever. But I actually think he's kind of good. Uh, I, I was impressed with the things that he did. In his fight, like, he, he is very athletic, he's very big and strong, but he also, like, targets the body very deliberately and, like, does it kind of cleanly and has a decent uh, style. And you know what else? 
I just found this out from looking it up. He's uh, he's Henry Hooft guy. Uh, he's he's at Sanford. He's a black zillion. So uh, look look at me just inherently liking <laughs> liking what I saw, uh, and then checking and seeing that he was indeed from a gym that I like. So there you Should go. The love pod. Didn't he get? Uh, didn't the, wasn't the setup for the kick that he parried a kick? Yeah, he like parried it across his body as he held it. It was, it was actually fool. a pretty nice kick catch. What a fool trying to do something good. Yeah, I mean his opponent idiot. here, uh, Palatnikov. <laughs> um, I remember his fight. It was really gross and messy, but people liked it a lot uh, against another contender series guy who was significantly worse than uh, an Impa. Is uh, he gassed out really quickly? He like beat the crap out of Palatnikov in the first round, and then Palatnikov just put a ton of volume on him until he died. So I don't, like, a hoof guy is generally not going to die as quickly from doing that because that's, like, their entire thing is just steady volume at a decent, uh, efficient pace. So mm-hmm. that, that could be something. I don't really know if Palatnikov is any good. I just remember his ankle wraps were, like, pink and purple or something, so that was cool. I remember uh, the ankle wraps. That's good, at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to have something to anchor it to. Cool. So that's all the uh, all the upcoming and recent fight talk. There's probably other stuff, but I mean, honestly, you're you're getting a, a big bonus here because we normally just talk about whatever the UFC card is. True. Really dug deep for this one, and we didn't even talk a little bit about Zach's fight, Zach Makovsky's fight. But you know what? I say leave it because we're gonna do uh, content with Zach yeah. about the fight, and you're gonna have to get it there. You're not gonna get to hear our thoughts about it until we do that. So there you go. Uh, want to do the Patreon question now? Yeah, sounds good. Cool. So, patrons, ask us question. Patrons of the fight site. Uh, if you're a $10 patron, you can ask us to do a topic for you, and we will spend 15 minutes at least, I would say, talking about it. I think that's a good estimate. Maybe more, depending on how interested we are in it. Uh, but yeah, Evan Lee has been asking us a lot of questions, and he does a really good job creating interesting discussions, and they're always hard, and make, I have to like think about it. It's... He should make them easier, I think, but this is an interesting one. So he asked, how has fight analysis helped you in understanding other subjects? How have other subjects helped you in understanding fighting? Uh, Before we individually answer that, I think I will start with Dan Albert's answer because he actually has like a full answer. Are you cool with that? Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, it's probably easier for me to build off that too because I don't honestly have a ton to say about it. My game plan was to take breaks and reading Dan's answer because it's kind of long, uh, and you know use that as jumping off points for other other conversations. You have to so, meet our fifteen minute yeah constraint. <laughs> this is a very organized structure here. Uh, so here's what Dan had to say, and Dan Dan has had a lot to say about like what is analysis and how do you do it, and uh, definitely takes a more scholarly approach to it than I do, and I can't speak for you, Sharon. No, definitely. More. Probably you too. Um, him, him, Haxerais, and Tuman uh, Iggy, rather. I mean, he has his name on Twitter now. I guess it's not a secret. But <laughs> <laughs> those three uh, did a podcast about, like, what is analysis? And, and talked about all that nerdy stuff um, on a recent podcast. You can check that one out. It was an episode of Tengradome. Uh But, yeah. So if you want to get real nerdy about it, listen to them. If you want people to just stumble through sentences, then this is the right <laughs> podcast for you. So here's his answer. Uh Learning analytics for how MMA works can be applicable because it involves a lot of pattern recognition and outside-the-box thinking, but it's really not anything special. In other words, being analytical in the context of MMA isn't that different than being analytical in general. It requires work, reference, dedication, etc. Usually the kinds of skills used for analysis are the same as critical thinking. A detail-oriented person with enough time and dedication can grasp specifics to combat sports analysis and the hows, whats, etc. That is to say, combat sports analysis isn't really something that's used to really make analysis in other fields better. Those doing analysis don't really enter it without those analytical skills. Um, Yeah, every analysis field will have easily transferable thinking across multiple fields. That sounds very true to me. And the dumb version of that is people who are good at analysis are smart, and smart people are usually smart at multiple things. That's how I interpret that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty much accurate. There's a certain baseline level of knowledge that you need um, to like pay attention to the right things. But in MMA, it's, it's honestly probably trickier in MMA than a lot of things, just because it's... Um, 
I don't want to like sound elitist and be like there are a lot of subtleties because yeah, I mean there are, but it's also not any tougher than like any other sport because I just don't recognize the subtleties there. It's just you know there's that stereotype of it's fighting and people just go out there and fight. So people might not pay attention to it as much at the beginning, but um, after you get past that baseline level, it's just as Dan mentioned, it's just uh, being able to put that together in a cogent way. Mm-hmm. I can tell you one area easily transferred to sports analysis transferred well to sports analysis uh, because I started analyzing MMA first. Uh, I, was, I, I watched MMA first and then started wrestling because of MMA, but wasn't like a big MMA fan until a little after I started wrestling. And then I started analyzing MMA before wrestling, but then once I did more analysis for MMA, I was like, oh, I can probably do this for wrestling. Then I started doing it for wrestling and I got good at that. And now when I watch other sports like American football, which is pretty much the only non-combat sport I watch, I definitely take a more analytical approach to it, and I try to figure some stuff out, and I, you know, focus more on skills, and and I have a better understanding of it than I did before I was a, a combat sports analysis guy, uh, so that's that's an easy one, um, yeah, for sure, and I think for me, analysis definitely it's different for different people, you know, what I mean, like what what your analysis is, and mine is very teachy, I think, um, I approach it like a teacher, and that's partially helpful because my graduate education is in counseling and counseling is a lot of teaching um in different different ways so i think that that communication style really helped out and i want to go into teaching and i'm entering a grad program to do teaching now and like i think doing a lot of this stuff and talking to people and explaining things to people is definitely a a transferable skill so uh, a lot of the skills that Dan mentioned his answer, I agree. Those can be applied to a ton of different areas. But I also think that to answer like, the latter part of the question, how has it worked the other way around, is I think getting a lot of practice of explaining and communicating has really helped me professionally as well because uh, my job involves a lot of communicating and explaining. So the more the more you do that kind of stuff, the better at it you'll get. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, getting your reps in. So I definitely think that practicing a skill area that is generalizable can yield results in different areas. Yeah, I agree with all that. I'm not in nearly as transferable a career path. I'm in accounting. Um, I mean, I guess you could draw some parallels between, like, the hyper-number-focused trend that's coming out in MMA right now and, like, um, kind of, I mean, even in accounting, there's, like, a big focus on contextualizing the numbers that you see, which is, I guess, where you could say I've grown to hate statistics in MMA because you can really see how people can lie with numbers. Um, in accounting where it's like, you know, if you just look at the financial statements, things can balance, then you look at the real life and it's a flaming mess. Um, so that's one thing, I suppose, that's transferred, but it's also just a lesson that people should know from the start, so I wouldn't really attribute it to that. Um, yeah, I can't really, like, name my style necessarily, and I know it's mm-hmm. recognizable because people have recognized it and people imitating it which I guess it sounds kind of egotistical, but it isn't. It's just kind of distinctive in a, um, in a weird way that I can only recognize and not name. Uh, but it's definitely there. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just that... I think it, it mostly boils down to just if you're smart and you have the baseline level of knowledge, you're probably going to... Like, most of how I learned to analyze, quote-unquote, American football is just through Madden. And that's how I learned to do uh, MMA too, to in an extent, to an extent, because how I started in MMA was through UFC Undisputed Three, um, which you know kind of teaches you a lot of interactions between how different uh, attacks work and why having defense is important. So, you know, the process is somewhat similar in a lot of ex- in a lot of ways, um, and it's uh, it's just yeah, if you're smart, you're going to be smart anywhere. You just need the tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to, to give you the rest of Dan's answer, he kind of said the same thing. He said, oh, I lost it. <laughs> he said, combat sports analysis hasn't really made me more attentive than I would be in my more specific interests. It's just another interest I've learned to be good or at least competent at applying analysis to. So Dan is saying that he is an analyst at all of his hobbies because he's a huge freaking nerd. Oh my God, what a <laughs> dork. Um but yeah, it's, it's true. You can see it, like the way he talks about video games or, you know, movies or TV shows or books. Like, he, he analyzes everything. He picks it apart. And uh, I don't think I'm an analyst with all of my different interests, but I am definitely obsessive with a lot of things. And 
if you become obsessed with something, you're probably going to dig deep into it, and it's going to lead you down that path regardless. So just being a crazy person um, generally has its, has its perks uh, when it comes to having hobbies. And if you are in deep enough to being a combat sports fan that you listen to this podcast, and congrats, you're a huge dork and a crazy person too. So we're all in it together. Yeah, we've just hit the hour mark on this, so if you're still here, you're definitely a dork. Um, yeah, sorry, you're not cool, but you know, it's it's we're all in it together. It's okay. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think like we've uh, we've even noticed like with our um, with our founder Kyle, he's super into movies now, and uh, you can see him applying that same sort of standard uh, that we apply to combat sports to that kind of thing. Uh, so you know, you, like process is process, like logic is logic, and if you can apply that in one place, you can probably apply that in other places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is all stuff we talked about before, but in the, the framing of this question uh we, we venture more the to the outside of sports realm but yeah it's a good it's a good thought and it's definitely a good prompt to let us brag about how cool and, and interesting we are yeah talk about um, ourselves yeah uh, yeah give you a little peek into our very interesting lives and uh, our, our progress as you know people in their mid-20s you know they're, they're the most <laughs> The most achieved individuals on, on the earth, you know, of the course. people who are very high achieving and uh, you know very skilled and intelligent, they're all in their mid twenties. <laughs> you, you'll hear it from them. Yeah. Um, now I can make random audit references when I analyze fights, and no one can. Well, you guys will know what I'm talking about. I can. Uh, I can talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> that's my skill. Uh, so yeah, that's a good question, Evan. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, other Patreon things that have happened recently i would say more so the uh, like the video breakdowns like the commentary videos uh Shiram and i recorded two of them this week so i told you i already did the dj demetrius johnson resume review that was on my own and then we also did commentary uh analytical commentary for tony ferguson versus anthony pettis that was fun and then yeah. we also did one for habib Nurmagomedov versus conor mcgregor and that was also fun yeah, Those were good fights. Thank you, Alex Hawkins, for requesting that. Yeah, that kind of thing is always, like, um, I don't have the Patreon tier off the top of my head, but those are always really fun to do. And uh, I think we gave you your money's worth, so. Mm-hmm. Speaking of getting our money, give us your money. <laughs> um, we need it for funding our site and, you know, paying people to do the work. Because, you know, sometimes people need incentive to do things, and... <laughs> Uh, I need to give them money to continue to do the things so the site can exist. I mean, Economics. you can just tell me if you want the site to just be me. Um, if you think that's the future of the site, is I just get rid of everyone else and it's just the Ed, oh, the Ed show. That's that's okay. I'm an egomaniac, so that actually <laughs> appeals to me. Uh, but otherwise, you should give us your money. And uh, we have a little incentive for you in return that you know not only can you use your money for requests to get things directly, but when we hit 200 patrons... We're going to release a special article series about the top five uh, greatest fights in UFC history, according to us. So they're going to break down articles on those fights, and there's also going to be commentary videos on those fights, which will just be for patrons. Not just because it's like, oh, it's exclusive, it's behind a paywall. It's because we record, screen record video of the fights from Fight Pass, and you can't put that on any video sharing platform. So <laughs> they have to be buried behind a paywall. That's why, and you'll never get us. They'll never catch us. It's impossible. So that's why we do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the copyright technology is not too far away to just go into Google Drive and pluck everything. They can't infiltrate my Google Drive. It's, <laughs> it's my, password my, protected. It's my palace. It's my <laughs> temple. But it is not password protected. Can I do that? Oh, jeez. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Encrypt everything now. If anyone knows the intricacies of Google Drive, let me know. I just, uh, I need to... Just to cover my ass. <laughs> well, yeah, we've officially reached the shit posting part of this episode. We're well over an part. hour in. So, yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, that's the plug. Visit the site. I'm just going to make that my niche from now on. Um, go it's to the important. site, read the stuff. Uh, give us money, as always. Go watch the videos. Uh, visit our sponsors. I mean, I don't. We haven't done a ton of sponsor plugging recently, have we? No, I mean, we have a couple sponsors. It's all really just, like, if you spend money through our link, we get some of it, which is a pretty low percentage way to get your money. Uh, but 
if you, I mean, the one that's the most useful probably is the VPN service, uh, ExpressVPN. Uh, so if you need to use a VPN to watch any sports, usually that's why you're using it. Yeah, we or to like, I don't know, order drugs off the dark web. I don't know why you need a VPN, but uh, you can use ours. Uh, use ExpressVPN. I don't know if you get a discount or anything. You probably don't. But just you know, if you have to, if you have to get one, just get the one that that we recommend. I think that's helpful. And uh, when you go back to training someday, you can buy gear from Hyperfly. That'll also help us out. Uh, they got cool stuff. It's just like no one's really buying jujitsu clothing during right the plagues. Yeah, no, yeah, it's the plague. So. Eventually, our sponsors will become more relevant. Oh, did you know that it's not official yet? But I'm going to talk about it anyway. Uh, we could be getting a sponsorship, like a, a kind of a, a, a real one, uh, where they're actually going to send us products and we'll do a review. Nice. Uh, it's a PPSO, right? I don't know if it's pronounced that way, but if you ever looked at Michael Chandler's Instagram, it's like this, these plastic uh, rolling like platforms that for you to like roll out your, your sore muscles and stuff. It's, it's like a uh like a foam roller but it's like more of a rubbery mm. plastic material and like there's all different shapes and uh yeah you, they, it looks really painful but <laughs> <laughs> they sponsor a lot of fighters so hopefully if we can get in with them and make them happy uh they will let me interview michael chandler that's the dream that is the dream my dad's gonna ask love him that. what his hair care routine is <laughs> the flow it's a lot of gel i think <laughs> looks like it <sighs> But yeah, that's my news. Yeah, we've covered pretty much everything that's happened <laughs> in this sphere over the last hour and seven minutes. For sure. So, yeah. I'm ready to be done. Are you ready to be done? Yeah, I'm ready to be done. Um, right. Thanks for joining us for this incredible episode. We'll see you later.